Hello and welcome to the uh, Growth Adventure Podcast. Uh, I'm Andrew Pell, and I'm pleased to welcome Chris Ortega to the uh, to the pod today. Chris, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Well, before we uh, get into the conversation, uh, maybe just to give everybody a bit of a, a foundation, do you want to give a, a brief background, who you are, where you come from, school, jobs, anything that you, you feel like sharing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So born and raised here in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. I did my undergraduate work at IU, so I'm a diehard Hoosiers. Who, who, who? Hoosiers? There was Larry. Let's get it going, man. I mean, most of the time when I do a lot of these things, people are like, Indiana, Hoosiers, what? We guys know you from basketball. That's all we know you from. But yeah, born and raised here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Professionally, I spent most of my career here in Indianapolis uh, in high growth entrepreneurial startup technology companies. So currently right now, I'm director of finance for Emarsis North America. We were recently acquired by SAP in November. So uh, pretty uh, tremendous story that we've been able to write here at Emarsis North America. I lead all of our accounting, finance, FP&A for our America's operations, which is Canada, U.S., and uh, South America. And uh, for me, uh, my mom and my family, all my families here, a fun fact about me about Indianapolis is I used to uh, be an amateur boxer here. So I used to fight competitively for about four or five years here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And one thing I learned that was like the most important thing in boxing that I carried like for the rest of my life is if I can take a body shot in the semifinals of the Indiana Golden Gloves in front of everybody and not poop myself, there's nothing in business I'm ever going to face that's going to be more challenging than that. So uh, people know, you know, fun fact about me is the boxing and uh, I'm excited to be on the podcast here today and excited to uh, share feedback, comments about my uh, experiences and everything I've gained here in the county and finance. I love our tech community here in Indianapolis. I think a lot of my friends on the coast, everywhere else, they ask me, they're like, Chris, man, what keeps you in Indianapolis, Indiana? Like, you should be in San Francisco. You should be in Austin. You should be in New York. You should be in these hot areas. And my thing that I always tell them is we've got great access to universities here, the tech community. We're such a tight, tight close-knit community. And the tech space here is just growing and exponential open for a lot of opportunity. So that's just a little bit about me personally, professionally, and uh, some fun facts about myself. Well, I actually just shared with a colleague this morning that the, the tech community in central Indiana is sneaky big. I, th I think it absolutely is something that residents of central Indiana should be tremendously proud of, tremendously supportive of. And when people say, do you want to be the next Silicon Valley? I think we should say, no, we want to be Indianapolis because yeah. look at all that issues that come along with high growth, high wages, lack of land, all those things. But I am going to go back because you, you, your commentary about taking a body shot and not pooping yourself <laughs> has totally thrown me off my questioning. And, and I, I just have to ask this. So even though boxing is a very, it, it's a very cerebral sport, despite what people might think about it, but typically people who have an accounting and finance background tend to be a little bit, let's just stereotype a little bit more on the conservative side. So I guess, how do you square those two things? You've got on the one hand, accounting, very rules-based, very, even though it is a creative profession, as our, our you know, controller and CFO would both say, but you don't necessarily think of a lot of accountants being boxers. Yeah. For me, when I started boxing, I, this has always been something important to me. And to be fully honest, I'm not your trip, typical accounting finance FP&A person. I'm not. I learned that in uh, my three years in public accounting at Ernst Young. Great experience. I got so much experience of working with Fortune 100 companies, big companies here in Indianapolis, I love the experience, but I realized in my early in my career that 
that typical sit in the corner, don't talk to people, count the numbers and give us the numbers kind of person, that was never going to be me. So I realized that earlier on. And getting into boxing, I was working out, I was doing the whole fitness thing and I hit a plateau. And I'm the kind of person like, I'm constantly looking to improve myself and to challenge myself and grow and develop and try new things and just jump out and just be open to those things. So um, I did a, I'll never forget, I did a boxing workout and it was 45 minutes and I did it with some friends. And I tell you, Andrew, I was exhausted. I'm talking like I got back home. I didn't even shower. I laid directly on my couch, fell asleep for 15 hours. I woke up the next day and I'm the kind of person, like if I find something that I'm passionate about, like I'm all in. So I started training on my own for a couple months. And then I went to a couple of local gyms here in Indianapolis and I found my gym, which is SRG Boxing, that's located on northwest side of Indiana. I found literally the best coach I could ever have, Susanna Rodriguez Griffin. Uh, she's the owner of SRG Boxing up on the northwest side. And if you're looking to get into fitness and boxing and get just that cardio aspect of it and those things, she's absolutely amazing. And then when I started to fight and compete, it's, it, it was awesome because, like, I was at the time older than a lot of the people I were fighting. Like, I'm walking out there like the old guy. But the thing that I learned the most in boxing, it has nothing to do with age, muscle size, anything. Like, it all has to do with experience. The more experience that you get, the more fights that you get, the more sparring, the more training, the more developed that you become as a boxer. For me, some of the best moments I had in boxing and humbling moments is when I fight or spar somebody half my age or I'll never forget sparring somebody that was 15 years old. And I'm double that person's age at the time when I was fighting. I'll give myself up. Um, I'm double their age and the difference in skill set, right? None of my physical attribute meant anything in that fight because this kid has been fighting since he was like six years old. So he's got nine years of experience that he's been boxing, learning, technique, everything. And I'm I'm older. I got I think I got physical prowess and all that. And it was such a humbling experience to me that not only translated in boxing, but also translated in business for me as well. It's being able to be adapted to business. Obviously, last year was one of the most adaptive, but also growth opportunities I ever had in my entire life. So I think like the ability to be able to roll with the punches and like, catch and learn and continue to get better with experiences definitely translates over to my professional life as well. Let's tease that out a little bit because the theme of this podcast is the growth adventure and growth can be a lot of different things to different people, right? It could be personal growth. It could be the growth of a company. It could also be personal professional growth. So since you both shared there, the humbling growth opportunities, the sparring gave you as well as the challenges we've all faced uh, over the last 12, 14 months. I mean, I guess, how have some of your struggles and or failures helped inform you and helped you grow to continue to be where you are today and presumably where you want to be in the future? Yeah, I, great question. I think learning opportunities, this is my motto in life on everything. There's only two options I have in life. Either I'm going to win, I'm going to learn. I only fail if I don't learn. So to me, there is no failure in any situation. It's just an opportunity to learn from it. So for me, I've taken not only the situation that we have from the past year, but every opportunity that I have, I literally, I, I find ways to fail. That may sound, you're like, Chris, what, who, why do you find ways to fail? The reason why I find ways to fail is because that's new learning opportunities, right? If I'm doing a, a balance sheet reconciliation, I've done it a million times. I'm probably, I, I can be wired like that. But if I try something I've never done before and, and, and challenge myself to learn from it, I'm going to learn, even if I fail it, right? I'm still going to learn from it. So there's always a win through it. 
And for me, I think looking over the last year, both personally, professionally, mentally, and physically, there's last year was a lot of levels that people were affected. And even continuing today, there's still a lot of people that has that residual that's still carrying over. But for me, professionally, I'll never forget the LinkedIn message I seen right when the world shut down and took a timeout, right? The LinkedIn post said this. It said, remember how leaders, organization, teams, and employees treat their people during this time right now because it's a true reflection of their core values and who they really are. And for me, Andrew, that resonated so strong with me because I was like, this is the opportunity to leave a legacy that's going to last 10, 15, 20 years. And that's been like my, that has continued to be like my North Star, both personally, professionally, mentally, and physically during this time is what is the legacy that I'm going to leave? What's the legacy I'm going to leave with my team that I support here in Amarcus, North America? What's going to be the legacy I leave with my family and friends and community that I support? What's going to be my legacy that I leave to help my community in terms of the racial inequality that we've been facing here right now? So for me, that's always been a, a constant motivation for me. And in those, in that motivation, there's been plenty of lessons learned, right? Plenty of times I've knocked myself on the head. And just, but I look at those as opportunities to share those lessons with other people. Um, I think giving back, one thing that was really impactful for me last year was I made it a, 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 a mantra of mine to network and connect with as many accounting finance FP&A professionals across the world, right? I mean, I was talking to people in South America, Asia, here in the US, Canada. I mean, you name it. I had an open invite. I said, I'm going to get time every week. I'm going to take 30 minutes a day and I'm just going to be on that call. You can ask me anything. We can talk about anything, but I wanted to provide a way to, to share my skills, passions, and talents to help other people during the difficult time that they were facing. So for me, that is a, a constant motivation. And in that, you always find opportunities to learn, always find opportunities to grow. And more importantly, you find opportunities to fail. And that's my number one thing I tell a lot of people is seek opportunities to fail, man, because that is where you're really challenging yourself. You're broadening that skill set. You're trying something new. You're making life exciting. So for me, that the, those are the things that I do to really take a growth mindset through the situations that I've encountered. Well, that's profound. And obviously, our educational system doesn't always encourage uh, people to push themselves to the point of failure. But that's for my other podcasts, philosophical edu educational discussions today. But I want to pick up on on something that that you you said there, which is advocating for justice and equality. And that, that kind of gets to something else that I wanted to ask you, which is I, I think something that frankly, a lot of since HR is on the line here at uh, newer in career professionals struggle with, which is, <laughs> is there a work persona and a private persona? And how do I balance these two things? And I, I can only speak for myself here that it took me a while to get to the point where that was the same persona. And I felt very comfortable coming to work as my whole self. Now, obviously, I have the advantage that I'm the president and CEO. So that's an easy one for me. But I guess from your own perspective, or any advice you could give for people listening here as to how do you bridge that gap? And how do you get to the point where you can live your whole life no matter where you are, whether you're at home or at, or at work? Yeah, I think the public and private persona, that's a great question, Andrew. I, and I see, to full transparency, I see a lot of high performance, high potential minority people struggle with that. And for me, it starts early in my career. When I was at Ernst Young, I'll tell you, Andrew, I knew I was different than everybody else, not just from a racial, I come from a single parent background, my also minority. My father was Latino and Italian. 
My mom was African-American and white. So I, I primarily grew up in an African-American community, but my last name is Ortega. So, I mean, I, from a, from a racial, from a, from that kind of perspective, I faced a lot of different adversities in that regard. Right. And one thing that carried over from growing up in, in a community where I, I primarily grew up in a low income community, me and my sister were first generation college students in, in the entire, my entire family, me being the first person to go on to get a, a honors degree at Kelly and all those different things. I realized like, I was different and I leveraged that difference. And I, I learned really uh, early on that me being different, it was like a badge of honor that I took, right? And then when I got into working professionally at Ernst & Young, I'm surrounded by people that came from Notre Dame and all these great schools. And I was competing with them. I was there. I was in the arena. But I always said when I came into that, I was never going to change fundamentally who I am. And I was never, most importantly, going to forget where I come from. So for me, I've always carried that badge of honor. And let's talk about let's talk about diversity and inclusion in technology, right? Because that's a hot topic, right? There is not too many people that are in executive roles in a tech companies in accounting and finance specifically that are minorities. There's not. I'll tell you honestly, Andrew, I have met probably in my career a handful of people that I can count on two hands that are minorities, leaders in accounting and finance, CFOs, VPs of finance, you name them, that are in tech companies across the U.S. So with that in there, like, how do I go about sharing that? I share people my story. You know, you talked about how do you keep your public and private persona? Listen, for me, I am this Chris Ortega when I wake up. I'm this Chris Ortega on board calls. I'm this Chris Ortega in, in staff meetings. To me, I think it's three things. is being fully transparent and honest about who you are right? Walking in your truth. Too many people, man. I see it all the time. Too many people don't walk in their truth. And eventually you're going to get to that point where that truth is going to want to blurt out and you'll find yourself in, you know, hopefully a, a good situation. And I think the third thing is never forgetting where you come from and what you represent. And always, like I've looked at my level of success and the things that I've been able to do as an escalator. It is my responsibility to go bring back up that next group of high potential, high performing, whoever they are. I don't really look at race, right? To bring up that next group. That's why it's so important for me to share back with students, to share back. I mean, I'm constantly on LinkedIn where people see my content. They just want to talk with me. And they're like, Chris, it's crazy that you actually engage with me. And I can ask you questions and I can talk to you. Like, it seems like you're at a level where most people at that level, you just miss them. And I'm like, nah, man, because... I remember being that kid at Pike High School in Indianapolis, Indiana, that first time I met a CPA, his name was William James. I'll never forget this. William James, he came in, he had swagger. He was wearing like the newest Jordans. And I'm like, who is this dude? And he was a CPA at Eli Lilly. And I was like, wow, this is what a CPA is. And this is the kind of swagger. And he told me, he shared a lot of those things when I was a sophomore in high school. So for me, I think it's always important to walk your truth, be transparent about who you are, and most importantly, never forget where you come from. Because I think like people that have two, two different public personas that they put out, and that's my thing with people and CEOs right now riding this diversity wave right now. You see a lot of Twitter posts and, and comments from all these leaders. My question to them is, what initiatives are you doing? What dollars have you committed? What long-term planning have you rolled in to, to address diversity and inclusion, right? 
What's your board look like? What's your leadership team look like? Don't ride the wave unless you're going to do the work and pedaling to stay on the wave. And that to me is fundamentally important about being congruent in your public and private personas. Well, I, I think your story about one of your influences to get into finances, representation matters, right? If you can, For sure. If you can see people who you can relate to, it, it transforms from being this thing that you never think you could possibly do in the world to being an opportunity. All, a lot there and all great, by the way. So uh, before we get to the lightning round, one final question for you. So at, at the beginning, you talked about really your passion is high growth entrepreneurial companies. And Emerson's great company, SAP, fabulous corporation, but it's a Fortune 500 company. Where is Chris Ortega in 10 years? I'm, I'm going to blatantly steal from some of your social media posts that you're blessed to have the initial CEO. Uh, so yeah. That, yeah. Nobody's listening to this, so don't worry about anyone at SAP calling you after this podcast, but where is Chris Ortega in 10 years? I think myself in 10 years, it's a great question. I love that question, Andrew, by the way, because if you asked me when I was 10 years old what I would be at 20, I would be like, I don't know. If you asked me at 20 years old what would 30 look like, I'm like, I don't know. But for me, I think in 10 years, man, if I have the ability, like to me, my why and my purpose have always been things that I figured out. And this is probably I figured out three or four years ago when I really set the time down and did it. My why is to be the best CEO I can be personally and professionally, the best Christopher E. Ortega I can be personally and professionally. My purpose is to utilize my skills, passions, and talents to help others realize and achieve greatness. So as long as I'm doing that and I don't really get hung up on titles and organizations I want to be, to me, as long as I'm in the next 10 years faithfully and impactfully walking down my why am I, I'm living my best life. For me, it, that's really what it is. To me, I want to get to a point where I'm able to have a larger impact on my community. A lot of people ask me, they say, Chris, I want to help. I want to help. But where do I start? Where do I start to help minorities to get into technology, to start having this conversation to break down a lot of these social systems that we need to. And my first thing is, it's conversation, but authentic conversation, right? Both everybody in that conversation has to come to the conversation with the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to say, I don't know if I'm being disrespectful, but I'm going to say it. And if I say it, I need that feedback from you and be authentic about it. Too much of what we're going through right now is people can't sit back and listen and understand people. We're so reactive. We're so quick to answer somebody and less to understand, process, find an area to relate and communicate. So for me, that's really important for me in the next 10 years is to continue to have an impact on the community that I represent and serve but also taking that community and representation to larger technology and spaces like that. That's what, what really I'm thankful for being here at Amarsis and some of the other opportunities that I work with with people is I have the opportunity to work with them on things, right? There's a company I work with called Tropic and they are a SaaS company and procurement. They're doing an amazing job. And the ability to be able to help them and just pro bono work to help them grow their business. And they reached out to me and said, Chris, man, you're, you have great passion for what you do. And that is really what I really enjoy doing, right? Because I'm taking the skills, passions, experience, and talents that I've gained, and I'm helping this organization raise money. I'm helping them grow to the next level. I'm helping them with positioning. I'm helping them with non-traditional accounting and finance matters, right? These are strategic level things. They're not asking me, hey, Chris, how do I book a depreciation entry? I'm like, AI machine learning can go do that. I'm not going to do that piece of it. 
But those are the things and conversations and impacts that over the next 10 years and following my North Star and my why and my purpose, that's where really I, I see myself having the most impact and really living my best life. Well, based on the 20 minutes that we've spent together here today, I, I have a high degree of confidence that, that you're going to be able to do that. Uh, so I appreciate moving that. into the lightning round here. Uh, so Let's go. I'm going to ask you four questions. I'm ready for this. No wrong answers, just uh, no slow answers. So okay. uh, question one, what is Chris Ortega's radio and his cartoon to? Uh, BPM, because I love uh, music. So BPM on uh, Sirius Satellite Radio, fire dude. All right. Question two, what book and or e-reader is on your uh, bedside table? 48 Laws of Power. No doubt. Love it. And yeah. And another really book, I won't say the curse word, but go, it's, it's called Go Un-F Yourself. It's really good. Really good. All right. Thank you. Uh, next one, cats or dogs? Dogs all the way. My, or my dog it has a, uh, it's Ernie the Chawini on Instagram. Look him up. He's the cutest little love book. All right. And, uh, and last question, this one's a little bit more serious. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? Uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever been given is, I would say from a strong mentor of mine, his name is Chris Landis. He is by far one of the most amazing professionals I've ever had the opportunity to work with and keep networking with. And one of the biggest advice he gave me was, Chris, find the right time to let your light shine but also don't let your light shine enough to where it dims out everybody else. So to me, I've always had to be able to find that balance because being a, 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 a extroverted person, very positive, having, I've had to learn that it's a time and place to let that flame just fire rage. And it's a time and place to just sit back and just be on, on simmer. So I think when he gave me that advice, and this was early in my, when I moved from being an individual contributor into leadership and managing people, that was a struggle of mine. I struggled with that because I was so used to getting these individual wins that I let my, I did this, I did that. I had to lead through influence through my team and get them wins and be more patient with them. So I think that's the biggest advice that I had. And for everybody, there's a time and place to let that flame just roar. And there's a time and place to let it simmer. That, that is great advice. And it is, that is definitely a transition for anyone who's moving from an individual contributor role to, to a role of leadership. So uh, well, Chris, I have so many more questions that I would love to ask you, but we're coming up on time here. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Do you have any questions, uh, any questions for me before we wrap up? No, I, again, thank you to Gerger and Appel and the entire team for letting me be a part of this. I found this conversation is super helpful and I hope the listeners got a little value. If you want to have any more conversations with me, I'm all over LinkedIn, Chris Ortega. I'm on uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything that CEO underscore future one. So that's where you can find me on all my socials. and. I'm always willing to have conversations and, and help people as the best I can. So thank you for your time today, Andrew. And thank you to the entire Gregory and Appel team. Well, Chris, thank you. Have a great day and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Yes, sir.